listening to Perlustration, a podcast where we take on movie universes. This episode, we are discussing episodes 16 through 22 from season one of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Spoiler warning for the entire first season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the first nine MCU films. We will try not to spoil any future movies or any future plot points. Lucas, what do you think of the final third of the first season? Epic, right? This is this is why we're watching the first season is so much happens. It's a great end. Well, it, it leaves us a bit of a cliffhanger. It reveals a bunch of stuff. It intertwines with the quote unquote real world, the MCU, the movies. Uh, it's it's just a trip, isn't it? Totally agree. And the Winter Soldier specifically, like with the Hydra uprising, yep. it is happening on the show as well. And those are really woven within each other. It's You get uh, comments about Sitwell and yep. the boat and a number of other things throughout these episodes that are nice little Easter eggs if you're paying attention. Yeah. And just the whole... This is why I like the show. It's the... I think we, we we've said it before the 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 real people living in the sorry normal people living in a powered world. These people have dedicated their lives to this organization, and now they've found out that some of their best friends have been Hydra agents their whole lives, and everything they know is a lie. And and, and it's just it breaks some people, and you can see the struggle all the time. No, you're totally right. It, the one silver lining I would say is that. Even if Hydra had infiltrated S.H.I.E.L.D. on all these levels, S.H.I.E.L.D. was still, for the most part, doing good things out there in the world or trying to save people, theoretically. So even if it was Hydra doing it, there was still some good things that came out of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah, with uh, especially the interventions uh, with the like alien technology. When, As we saw in Peru, there's some... like. Hydra technology, like a weapon that they recovered before some government or anti-government militia was uh, able to get their hands on it. And that that would have been a bad deal. A lot of people could have got hurt and S.H.I.E.L.D. was there. Yeah, so they've done some good things. A couple things that stood out to me in this final third was Sky officially becoming a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, which then S.H.I.E.L.D. kind of falls apart Just in time. for a moment there. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, but I'm just sitting there. I'm like, well, when is she gonna get a uniform? She's still in the in the clothes, the classic you know, civilian dress, mm-hmm. if you will. You know, I want to see her in the in the May outfit, like yeah. with the with the coat and with all the gear on it, and the and the uh, the eagle patch on the sh- on the shoulder, the eagle patch key. Mm-hmm. That's how they know your shield and not Hydra. The the Hydra guys wear the octopus. It just gives them away, you know. <laughs> We also got to meet the cellist that Coulson was in love with in episode 19, which seemed like more of like a one-off episode. It didn't seem, yeah. while things happened in the bigger story, it seemed like it could happen within anywhere in the season. Right, right. You think it, they got They had to do this one early, though, because, you know, basically now that quote-unquote S.H.I.E.L.D. has fallen after the events of the Winter Soldier, I think it'd be a lot harder to fit this episode in. You're right. I liked it though. It we got a Bruce Banner reference during yeah. it, and a really sweet moment with Coulson. Yep, good guy Coulson. I think we get that. Uh, we get the Ward and Coulson driving in Lola 
um, and they're talking about relationships essentially. And, and Colson says, I, I had that one time and I had that sweet relationship that everybody wants at one time. And Ward's like, what happened? It's like, I died. <laughs> Any other things of note? Let me, let me flip through real quick. Yeah. I got the group hanging out at a hotel. I like that in movies when the group is on a run or a mm-hmm. pair of people are on the run and they have to stay at a hotel and eat out of a vending machine and yeah bonding always ensues the 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 motel where your door opens to the pool immediately right there ice machines outside of course so i enjoyed that when the team was just there instead of on the bus for a little bit yeah awesome okay well We can talk a little bit more about this final third of the season after a word from the sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Mammoth Cooler. Mammoth Cooler makes professional grade coolers, drinkware, and more. They are ready for anything from a day at the beach to an extended camping trip and everything in between. Their hard shell cooler line includes the Cruiser 15 cooler. The Cruiser 15 is a low-cost, light-duty cooler, roto-molded and built with all of the features of a heavy-duty cooler. Weighing only 8 pounds, the Cruiser 15 is light enough to be handled easily on any excursion, and with ice retention lasting longer than two days, you'll be prepared for anything your adventure throws your way. All Mammoth coolers are backed by a lifetime warranty and shipped to the 48 continental United States. Visit www.mammothcooler.com, that's M-A-M-M-O-T-H-C-O-O-L-E-R.com to order. Use the promo code GONIAFM, all one word, at checkout to get 10% off your order. Make sure to use that code to let Mammoth know you came from us. Thanks to Mammoth for sponsoring this episode and all of Begonia FM. Okay, welcome back. Our six infinity stones. First stone, turn, turn, turn. The title of episode 17. So we're just going to focus on episode 17 specifically for this stone because so much or so many crucial things happen during this episode. So we wanted to touch on it specifically. It's where we find out who the clairvoyant is. We get the Hydra uprising. We find out what May was doing and who she was contacting. Uh, Just a lot of turns going on, (laughs) if you will, during the episode. Uh, What what do you remember for the first time you saw this episode, Lucas? Oh my gosh. I remember watching this on TV. So I want to say S.H.I.E.L.D. was on on Tuesday nights at the time. And so the rumors going around the internet, I believe the, the dates worked out that Captain America Winter Soldier came out first weekend was the weekend before. So you had to go see it that weekend and then watch the next episode as it aired live on TV the next Tuesday. Otherwise, you had to skip. And I don't know, Netflix existed, but um, I can't remember the exact turnaround on when you could expect to see this episode again on Netflix. So it was crucial. We had to go to the movies that weekend and we had to like get together to watch it. I remember going to... Um, a particular friend's house we we would go there every tuesday to watch and we'd trade off cooking dinners and stuff like that but because they had cable and we lived in the dorms and didn't have a tv well we had a tv we didn't have cable so we literally couldn't watch it without going over to somebody else's house it was 
such a community experience too. It was great. Everybody's sitting there with their minds blown by Jaws the end on of the, the floor. episode when yeah yeah when Ward just shoots hand cold hearted. Did her dirty. Yeah, I was oh, man heartbreaking episode for me specifically too because I really wanted hand to be bad. Yeah, and she ended up being good. And I really <laughs> wanted Garrett to be good, and he ended up being bad. Yeah. And then Ward was just the extra kick in the gut that I didn't even see coming. So oh, yeah. tough episode. The way we feel about Ward is how all of the other S.H.I.E.L.D. agents felt about their fellow S.H.I.E.L.D. agents that turned out to be Hydra. It's it's a gut punch. We've been with them, I don't know, in terms of actual time, it hasn't been that long, less than a year that uh, the team has been together, but they've been through a lot. We've been able to um, accompany them on their journey and... Speaking for myself, we grew attached to Ward, right? You, you think he's the big brother. You get that sweet episode with him and Fitz where they become closer. Um, obviously, he jumps out of a plane to rescue Simmons. Uh, so the list goes on and on. Even in this episode specifically, when he's there with Sky and he's like, oh, okay, I'll go take out all those men. She's like, no, there's like 100 men. He's like, no, there's 12. But he goes out there and does it. Yep. And you're rooting for him still. Yeah, it's heartbreaking when he turns. Yeah. And we still don't know what's going to happen with him. That, If anything, that is going to make me watch season two. Sweet. <laughs> I'm so excited for that. <laughs> uh, one other thing I want to touch on here in the episode specifically, and then if you have anything, please feel free. But the dogfight that they have at the beginning of the episode and the fake prisoner or the prisoner fake out that they do are both extremely reminiscent of a new hope the star wars movie (laughs) the way that the targeting system worked on the bus and then even the view of the team when they're in handcuffs it's from that security camera and then you look at them at the desk on the other side and it has those three little modules in Mm -hmm. the same way that it does in a new hope and it kind of looks that same aesthetic to a certain degree. It was something that maybe I just picked up on or I might have read too much into it, but that's what I thought. Oh, it's interesting. I, I don't think I picked up on that, but I mean, I, I greatly enjoyed all the scenes and I'm a big fan of Star Wars as well. So maybe it just kind of pulled on my the, the brain cells way back in the back there. Well, do you have anything else for this stone, Lucas? Um, I, no, I, I guess, yes. The, the one thing I wanted to, to remi- remind ourselves is that uh, this is also where we learn about May basically betraying Coulson. Um, you know, not not exactly, but, you know, he feels betrayed and he doesn't trust her because she's been spying on him uh, on Fury's orders. And she knew more than she told Coulson that she knew. And we don't necessarily, we don't think that she's Hydra, but we don't trust her anymore. So that's just another example of, turning tides here no you're totally right and that actually reminded me we should mention that triplet was with simmons there at the hub and for a moment you think that he might turn as well but we find out that he's good which i was relieved i was like at least i got this little victory huge relief ends up playing a crucial role for the rest of the season and the way he proves to simmons that he's a good guy essentially is he pulls a knife on her very tense moment and then he flips it in the coolest way ever and hands it to her and says here you know if, if you don't trust me by giving you a knife I don't, nothing else i can do 
and then oh when when hand storms in and questions them so like your my stomach is in my throat it's ooh, such a good scene he's like i'm at least taking one of you down if we're going down <laughs> yes. one of you's coming with me <laughs> triplets the boss yep well we talked about it just a little bit there on that stone but we're giving ward his own stone here our second stone is ward we find out he's hydra but we learn a lot about his backstory and how he came to be in that position yeah and i think you can tell towards the end of the last episode um when garrett is um going off the deep end you can tell that grant ward is not he's not a diehard true believer hail hydra and all that he follows or he has followed and dedicated his life to garrett and while that did put him on the hydra side in this fiasco you can tell he's not a true hydra servant and so whether that means he flips i don't know maybe he'll float along that that dividing line because he, he doesn't follow the hydra rituals or anything but I don't think our team will ever trust him again, you know? It's hard to imagine. Yeah. He really took the plunge when he shot Hand and the crew on the plane there in episode 17. It was heartbreaking, like I said. I did not see it coming, and it was a real bummer. You kind of get a nice callback when he's asked to kill Fitz at the later portion of the third of the season here to when he was asked to shoot the dog in those flashbacks oh yeah and it's really sweet to see that there is something inside of him that is like willing to go against a direct order Mm -hmm. because in his heart he doesn't want to go through with it so you can see the the conflict within him that they set up and continued to touch on throughout the season but really just sad you feel bad for the kid and you feel bad for ward the adult yeah and uh Real quick, taking us all the way back to basically the first time we see Ward or the the earliest point in Ward's life that we see. That's when um, Garrett breaks him out of juvie, I believe. I think he's underage at this point, 17. Mm -hmm. Do you remember why he's in there? For setting the house on fire. With his parents in it? Unknowingly, maybe. Okay. I can't remember if that's part of it. No, they they touch on it, but it's unclear, like, who... why he did it i know that there's conflict with him and his brothers yep and he clearly made a bad decision at some point that put him in the position of potentially going to jail yeah Uh, but then garrett rescues him and plops him on a piece of wood a piece of land in the woods and says survive i'll be back here's some uh here's a dog and doesn't tell him when he's coming back, and uh, basically Ward has to survive on his own for six months, and that's like the first time Ward is truly on his own, right? His whole life he's had his family and his brothers around. Um, I imagine he did quite a bit of soul-searching at that time, and as we see, adult Ward still lives with a lot of the conflicts inside of him that he had back then. Yeah, and Garrett is clearly a father figure of some sort to Mm -hmm. him. You know, the way that he treats him and their relationship, it is it is something that I expect to learn more about, you know, in seasons on about Ward and what his family dynamic was like and how he ended up to be in that position, you know, because we just get little pieces and hints at this point. Yeah. But speaking of Garrett, 
we gave him his own stone as well, the old turncoat. <laughs> Our third stone is Garrett, a.k.a. the Clairvoyant. What a reveal, huh? Yes. I'm pretty sure I just texted you a gif of, like, brain exploding yeah. after I found this out. Uh, we also find out that he was the original Cybertech, and a lot has been orchestrated so he could get to the GH325 or to whatever Coulson used. Yep. Really well done, especially that moment where he lets it slip that Reyna had been brainwashed and Coulson picks up on it that he's like, I never talked to you about that. Right. And then Coulson starts putting together pieces. He's like, oh, Quinn said I would lead the clairvoyant right to the cure. And, and he did. So Garrett's whole thing, you mentioned his whole, his whole purpose um, is to get to the GH325. But even before that, he's been behind uh, Centipede and Deathlock. And obviously he's part of Hydra, somewhat of a high-ranking member of Hydra, unclear at this point. But we learned that he was injured many years ago, right? And everything he's done after that point has been to heal or better himself or basically just stay alive a little bit longer. Um, You know, he started experimenting with experimental drugs that attempts at the super soldier serum, things that can like regrow parts of your body because he's obviously got some serious damage, much more than just like a gunshot wound that doesn't, doesn't quite heal right, you know, Mm -hmm. but he was actually the original uh, subject, the first subject of project Deathlock. So we see Mike Peterson as our first introduction into Deathlock, but he's many generations re- removed from the first Deathlock. Yeah, and very fun, that little portion where May and Coulson have to kind of put on normal drab and go in and pitch some ideas. Oh, yes, yes, they, they infiltrate Cybertech. And then they go to the file room, and it's physical files. Yeah. And they throw it out the window. Yeah, you're getting a hardware, you're getting a file download or fi- I'm gonna. I'm, I'm initiating a file transfer. <laughs> All right, let me know when. When? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a fun one too. We get to see a lot of the uh, old school tech at play too, right? Because they, they they have to pose as if um, they have some technology to sell to Cybertech. That's their whole pitch there to get in the building. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. All right. Well, our next stone, our fourth stone here, is Fitz Simmons and Triplet. I wanted to talk about the Fitz and Simmons scene where they're in the escape pod underwater. I just felt like that should be touched on. Incredibly emotional moment. Yes, incredibly emotional moment. I, as I've said before, Fitz is my favorite. And that whole scene, you know, he lays it all out there for Gemma and, you know, basically gives his life for hers to to, um, escape from the pod from the bottom of the ocean and somehow have any hope of survival Ooh, yeah it is I, even watching it for the fourth or fifth time after so many years i still get emotional and like it's hard for me to watch this that scene or the the couple of those scenes you know oh yeah i mean i was on the edge of my seat the whole time you know i'm just sitting there i'm like well you know it's towards the end of the season maybe you know they get a few characters out of the show i wasn't sure exactly what was going to happen uh but the reason we also we threw triplet in here because there is kind of like a triangle going on between them 
Simmons kind of seems to have a thing a little bit for Triplet. Fitz seems to have a little thing for Simmons. And then Fitz, you know, seeing Simmons then isn't very happy. And so, you know, he's kind of jealous of Triplet. He tends to kind of challenge him. But Triplet seems to have the brains and the bronze, apparently. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, first, of course, Fitz is intimidated by Triplet physically because he's he's the... A specialist right so there's always that that dynamic the same dynamic he has with ward um but then as soon as Gemma starts to show any interest in triplet now fitz feels like oh well at least i'm smarter than triplet right so he tries to show him up in these uh you know spouting off some medical thing and triplet's like oh yeah you mean this like i think it's a hairline fracture to the cheekbone or something was the the term they said and fitz you can see it on fitz's face he's like uh you weren't supposed to know that. <laughs> oh, poor Fitz. Yeah. But we find out the trip is just a genuinely nice guy, and he's a grandson of a Howling Commando, one of Cap's co-workers. That's not the right word. <laughs> one of Cap's fellow fighters. Yeah, yeah. The The Howling Commandos, like, Captain America was the leader of the Howling Commandos. They're like the, the team behind Cap in uh, World War II, but... Yeah, so so Triplet is a, a descendant of one of those guys, and we see him use some of the old technology. It's freaking awesome. That gear is so cool. Yeah, and you can see why. Like this is the stuff that uh, Coulson has like in glass cases in his office because it's priceless to him. You know, it's so much fun. Yeah, and they have a little nerd out moment. Just those two, Coulson and Triplet. It's like, is that a yeah, yeah, it is. You know, like whatever a hair dryer thing. Yeah, all kinds of cool, like the the type of stuff you'd buy out of the back of a comic book thirty years ago or fifty years ago. Super fun to inject that and give the team a way to have some gear, even when Shield is in shambles. Right, they have no like official support here, like they they previously had satellite and um, you know even just the gear on the ground. Yeah, they're just working out of a hotel. Yep, eating snacks out of a vending machine. All right, our fifth stone is kind of maybe the most important thing, I think, to touch on and kind of encapsulates a lot of the season itself. And we labeled it Secret, Secret, Secrets. This season was full of secrets. Everyone's got secrets. Everybody has secrets. Slingshot is fake. (laughs) Hydra is among us. May is spying on Coulson, the Tahiti Project. Sky in her background. It's, I mean, it's a secret even to her. Providence, the secret base. Yeah, Fury's always got the secrets. Fury's secrets have secrets. Even Simmons is uh, trying to have some secrets, right? She's trying to get that blood data analyzed without Coulson knowing because Coulson has forbid it, you know? Mm-hmm. Fitz trying to, you know, hardwire in the line there on the plane yeah that's how they catch may in the act you know of of her secret so it's it's catching up with certain people and i'm hoping that in future seasons those secrets decrease amongst a small group of people at least like may and colson can move past this Mm -hmm. and this almost kind of levels the the playing field where they're like okay starting from i was now. doing this you're doing that yeah like we're on a new page yeah i i think um the nature of a spy organization is to have these secrets but 
as we've seen, this other spy organization has been able to grow within our spy organization. And so I think the nature of this compartmentalization and the segregation of information, nobody has all the answers, that kind of thing, allowed that to happen. And possibly in the future, if, if one was to rebuild S.H.I.E.L.D., you might want to do it in a different way that wouldn't allow that to happen, right? So I, I hope you're right that uh, Coulson now rebuilds S.H.I.E.L.D. differently. I sure hope so. But if there's a guy who's going to do it right, it's Coulson. Yep. That actually segues us nicely into our final stone, the road ahead. Kind of aftermath rebranded. <laughs> uh, Coulson rebuilding S.H.I.E.L.D., you touched on it. We also see him, you know, scribbling that alien writing on the wall. That was ominous, huh? It was ominous. I tell you what. Sky's going to continue her search. Reyna and apparently Sky's dad, maybe, the dripping in something. There's going to be something there. And you got to imagine with the events of the Winter Soldier, too, with all everybody's information being out there. Yeah. That Sky's information is out there now. Yeah, Because she was brought into S.H.I.E.L.D. So if people are after her in particular because of her status as an 084, whatever that does mean, mm-hmm. I'm interested to see if she's on the run next season or if she's safe because she sticks by Coulson. I think it's very intriguing and does make me want to watch season two. This was a good idea, Lucas. <laughs> I knew if you just made it the first eight episodes, you'd be hooked. You were right. If you don't, if you don't want to know what happened to Coulson at Tahiti, like if that doesn't uh, spark your interest enough, then you don't care about the whole show. So, yeah, um, I, I wanted to touch on Coulson and Coulson and Fury's interaction there at the at the very end. Coulson gets his opportunity to let him have it. Um, yelling at Fury, saying, I told you, I, I thought this was a bad idea. I told you this before, and you still went through it. And this was supposed to be a last resort, only in the event to like resurrect an Avenger. And Fury's like, It was. And Colson's face is like, I'm, I'm an Avenger? <laughs> I'm not crying. You're crying. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was incredibly touching from to come from Fury, uh, calling Colson an Avenger. It was awesome. He is. He is. Without him, there are no Avengers. You got to have a 12th guy on the bench. A team is a team. Mm-hmm. And he hands him this little black box, huh? What is in there? How does that work? What's in the box? <laughs> yeah, that was really fun having Fury on the show one more time here. He was near the beginning of the season. He comes on and gets upset about the bus mm-hmm. being torn apart. And it's a nice kind of bookend. And it weave so well with the winter soldier and what we saw there yep get to see fury's eye again hey you know he's always watching it's a little chilling every time and he's like i've got my eye on you or he's always got some great eye related humor samuel jackson can deliver a line yep so what do you think about the scribbling on the wall or um carving with a pocket knife so From a show perspective, it is clearly alien, important, maybe a formula or a design of some sort. Being a 30-year-old person who has watched television shows, I would assume that it has something to do with Sky's arc. Because those Mm -hmm. are kind of the two main things that they left open on 
both sides. Okay. You know, we have the direct, you know, with the ominous Reina conversation, and then we get the scribbling on the wall. And as a show watcher, I infer that as like these things are related. Okay. The writing, Sky's heritage, all this is going to overlap in some way. Does that make sense? Makes total sense. And, and I, I definitely see how you would draw those uh, conclusions. I, I just think it's funny that he's like carving it. You know, he's not drawing it on a whiteboard, you know, or because um, you could see Garrett was carving these symbols too. And he ripped the glass door off the wall of the of the science lab and asked for a nail to carve with a nail onto this glass. Like it's such a weird, such a weird impulse, you know? Yeah, the carving specifically, I did not think about. Maybe that's because I had seen the writing casually on the wall early in the season. So to me, it just looks like, you know, their brain is just automatically going to write on whatever it can with whatever it can. But Mm -hmm. I did not pick up on the carving specifically as something. Maybe I should have. (laughs) I'm not saying anything. Uh, You know, I'm I'm just saying. Tough to say. Tough to Mm -hmm. say. (laughs) Well, do you have anything else here? On the road ahead, any other questions for me? I guess I, one thing I wanted to wrap up with the, the the last episode, they they left things open, they wrapped things up. One of my favorite scenes in the last episode is Garrett's demise. You know, he we get to see Mike Peterson get his rage out with uh, with him, stomp him somehow, and assume he's dead, but you never really assume he's dead. And then we see him crawl back up into the chair, get all his armor on, use the death lock thing, and then Phil comes in and just blasts him. Great. Way to, like, totally subverting expectations. Like, oh, I found it. Yeah. <laughs> I told you it was down here. No, you're right. I I was like, oh, come on now. Yeah. Like, they didn't put him away. The music is and epic. It's like, they are really building that scene. And he delivers his line. I can't remember what he says, but he's like, I'm back, baby. And then, bam, blasted. And now, I mean, he's like bits and pieces. He's not coming back from that one. Doubtful. Mm-hmm. Never say never. Like you always <laughs> say, they could come back in a flashback or something like that. Uh, you just true. don't know. That's true. But okay, we'll get to our categories here after one more word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Mammoth Cooler. Mammoth Cooler makes professional-grade coolers, drinkware, and more. They're ready for anything from a day at the beach to an extended camping trip and everything in between. Mammoth Icebergs are stainless steel reusable drink chillers. Think of, a, think of them like space-age ice cubes. Built with 18-8 kitchen-grade stainless steel and insulated with high-tech thermal gel, they will keep your drink cold for up to two hours on a single freeze. The best part is the icebergs won't water down your drink and are completely reusable. All Mammoth products are backed by a lifetime warranty and shipped to the 48 continental United States. Visit www.mammothcooler.com. That's M-A-M-M-O-T-H-C-O-O-L-E-R.com to order. And use the offer code BEGONIAFM, all one word, at checkout to get 10% off your order. Make sure to use that code to let Mammoth you came from us. Thanks to Mammoth for sponsoring this episode and all of Begonia FM. Welcome back categories time time to pick a power lucas hit me with it i gotta go with colson's stoicism no that's not the right word because he's not stoic it's colson's personality like 
<laughs> he's always got the jokes, you know. It, he's like, he's beaten down. He's like, I, I don't know what you call it. That's uh, great. My, mine's a little similar. I, I went with Patton Oswald's charm, just like the actual person, Patton Oswald. Like when he showed up on the show, I think I had like 300 exclamation points in my notes. <laughs> I love that guy so much. I, I want him in everything. Him and John C. Riley. just anytime they're in anything, I'm all in on it. So I'm, I'm taking his charm for my power. So you can have Coulson's personality and I'll have Patton Oswald's charm and we'll have a way better podcast next week for you guys. <laughs> Rel- relentless optimism. That's, that's Patton Oswald. Yeah. Who's your hero? It's got to be Fitz. He laid it all on the line, you know? I, I think he did a lot for the team throughout the season and in his last, this last third here. And, you know, without him and Fitz... Or, sorry, and Simmons. Granted, um, they it was their effort together that tagged the bus that allowed Colson to track him. But Fitz is the one who ended up paying the price, essentially. So yeah, Fitz. Yeah, I think he has the narrative. He has an MVP moment. He really has it all. Uh, I'm going for my hero, uh, Ernesto the barber. Oh yeah. Everybody was looking sharp when they got up from that chair. <laughs> If only we could all have an, an Ernesto in our lives. So he is my hero for the final third of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. You get that great moment with Ernesto or after Ernesto when um, the gang is down in the basement or whatever. And then they, it's all dark. They turn on the lights and they're surrounded by like Deathlock agents. And Colson's like, uh, mm-hmm. who do we talk to about to get a shave or haircut? What does he say? But... <laughs> That's that's what made me choose him as my as choose his personality as my power is like you're in the dark surrounded by bad guys and you're just gonna insert a little joke in here before you start blasting a little, little cocky and you you always expect that Coulson is thinking a couple moves ahead mm-hmm. he's only saying it because it puts them in a position that he thinks will help them and that's how he bases a lot of his decisions but he is quite a funny guy. And he's a pen guy. He basically are Coulson. What are you talking about? You don't need his personality. I know you don't uh, rank, you don't have this a part of your rankings, but I'm still giving my unofficial ratings during these episodes. And so I'm giving it four out of five lanyards. Excellent. That that last lanyard will be given out on a case-by-case basis. All right. One minute on the clock. Lucas, Go. Oh, the one minute research on these is so hard with keeping spoilers in mind. <laughs> I guess I, I want to give one one shout out to the red haired lady. Um, Victoria Hand would be her name. I, d- I don't know if we had ever said it. I mentioned a little bit earlier in this episode that I was I was wrong with my prediction. I think I might have said Hand. I might have called it the red haired lady. I can't remember. Ah, but yes, Victoria Hand is. Um, I was just as disappointed as you when she turned out to be good except i was disappointed that she died not that she turned out to be good because i would have picked her to be like the head of the new shield colson notwithstanding but like if if it had to be somebody other than colson because he wants to run his own team like he has been doing and let let the big shield be run by somebody else victoria hand would have been my pick interesting i would have picked sky to lead shield yeah you know someone with a clean slate coming in like you know not a lot of shield baggage not a lot of hydra baggage 
a real a real unifying force you know she's not coming in really from from either team she's a man of the people Mm -hmm. a woman of the people and she's also like the best hacker clearly in the world they can't hack her encrypted stuff so i don't know you know, if it's not gonna be Coulson, I, I'm a I'm a big fan of Sky. I know she's not your favorite, but I <laughs> I think uh, she brings up some valid points sometimes when the team is very quick to make a rash decision. She can be the voice of reason. I could see that. I just think she doesn't have the t- same. She doesn't have the right tactical mind for the director of Shield. But I, I see what you mean as 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 a unifying force. That's that's a good point. Yeah. She was very anti-Shield at the beginning of the show, though. Very anti-government secrets and all that. Yeah, who better to build it anew and better? (laughs) Sky, I stand for you. I'm here. Let's do this. Shield 2.0, you and me. Let's build it from the ground up. We'll take on Coulson's Shield. We'll have Shield versus Shield. All right, well, that was your one minute. And then some. I want to thank everybody for listening. If you have any questions or feedback or you agree with me that Sky should run Shield if Colson doesn't, send an email to hello at begonia.fm or reach out to us on Twitter and Instagram at perlustrationfm. For our next episode, we will be watching the 2014 film Guardians of the Galaxy, directed by James Gunn. A big thanks to Mammoth Cooler for sponsoring this episode. Lucas, take us out. I said a part, a part of something bigger. talk about the fight scene between may and and ward Mm. in the construction area that's so good too that was vicious that was some like i think we've talked about uh, jackie chan type fighting in the past or using your whole environment and surroundings that was one of those using the circular saw uh ward pins her down on the um on the table saw and she's got like the pole in her hand and she like flicks the pole into the saw and it shoots it up into his head it's awesome so clever yeah and she delivers a killer line too what was the line (laughs) uh ward like pins her down and gets on top of her and he says who reminds me of the the good old days and she says you were never on top